growing green to generate more green. Welcome to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman. Each week we plant the conversational seeds about cultivation and the changing climate of cannabis culture. We'll peel back the layers of benefits of the world's most versatile plant, from food to fuel, from remedy to resource. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Grow Show with your host, multi-award winning grow master and respected cannabis consultant, Kyle Cushman. Hello and welcome to all you activists, cannabis, and free-thinking, adventurous humans. This is The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com, and I'm your host, Kyle Cushman. You know, I feel very lucky to be in this position, given this platform to talk about whatever I want to. And with this opportunity, I've decided that I will talk about the things that matter most to me. And as many of you know, legalization, decriminalization, and the normalization of cannabis has been on the top of my list for several decades. So today's guest is Vivian McPeak. He's the co-founder of North America's largest cannabis freedom rally and festival, the Seattle Hemp Fest, held every year on the third weekend of August at Myrtle Edwards Park on the beautiful shores of Puget Sound. This August will actually be the 20th anniversary of this event, and attendance in recent years are in excess of 200,000 attendees. He's also the founder of Seattle's activist group, the Peace Heathens. This is a man I admire very much. I'm lucky to call him a friend, and he's been fighting for Mother Mary's freedom for so long and with such grace. Please welcome to the show, Vivian McPeak. Hey, Viv, how's it going today? Pretty good, my brother. Good to talk to you, man. Same here. Hearty congratulations on your radio show, Hemp Present, which just happens to debut today on CannabisRadio.com. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I feel I'm really in some tremendous company uh, with you and Mitch and uh, everybody else, uh, He's on the network. He's just wonderful people, the producers, everybody, uh, great people. It's fantastic. I listened to your trailer teaser last night during my research for the show today. It really sounds awesome. <laughs> Very proud to be sharing a home network with you, my friend. Yeah, man. We've been networking in the past, so this is nothing new. <laughs> right. Well, today we're here to talk about the future of cannabis legalization, kind of like perfect legalization in an imperfect world, you might say. And... Everyone remembers Wayne's World from SNL, you know, remember their classic dream sequences. Well, I was thinking, what would legalization look like if Vivian McPeak made all the rules? (laughs) So now we're here in Viv's world and cannabis is totally legal. And of course, Kyle Cushman Cannabis, pure veganic awesomeness, is the official butt of Wayne stock. Well, tell me what you see, Viv. Well, I'll tell you, what I see right now is a little bit hazy, a little bit smoky. Um, (laughs) What I'm seeing in this world is I'm seeing that the jails and prison cells have been emptied of cannabis offenders, perhaps filled with, I don't know, lobbyists or somebody like that. Uh, You know, you got to keep the beds warm and all that, keep the uh, hotel rooms stocked. But I see the White House has maybe been painted green, that uh, cannabis has become the national herb. I think Willie Nelson would be a great Secretary of State. I think he's got international connections and name recognition. Right on. I think Sanjay Sanjay Gupta would be a great Attorney General. I see opiate drugs having been largely replaced by cannabis-based medications. Oh, I'm liking this. I I see building materials largely cannabis-based, non-toxic, renewable, sustainable. I see a lot of agricultural products now include cannabis on the uh, stores, a lot of foods stuffs include cannabis oils and cannabis protein and uh, cannabis seed products, which we all know is tremendously therapeutic. 
global medical industry that has embraced safe, therapeutic, non-toxic cannabis plant. Really, in my world, I can see just about every aspect of society being positively impacted by some variation of, of cannabis. Cannabis in my world would be being used for remediation of, of toxic metals in the ground and radiation, things like that. It would be used to create green belts. It would be used for insulation and for hemp-based plastics, replacing a lot of caustic, toxic, non-renewable substances that are currently used, polymers, uh, varnishes. There's so many things that, that cannabis hemp can be used for. But more importantly, I see a world that is a little bit more chillaxed. Exactly. A, a little bit more introspective, a little bit peacefuler, a little bit more rooted in a respect for nature, really. I, I tell you, really, I see prohibition as being one component to a kind of global war against the natural world, war against natural things. And cannabis is just one of the best examples of how catastrophic it can be on society when you decide that you're going to have a war against nature and replace natural sustainable, renewable, non-toxic materials. Petrochemicals. Materials taken out of, out of petrochemicals. Yeah, the petrochemical sure. industry. And that's been responsible for this huge war. So I also see a big shift in energy policy, a big shift away from our fossil fuel dependency to other alternative technologies and industri alternative industries, including biomass using cannabis hemp. And, you know, the reality is we just scratched the surface. We don't know what cannabis can offer society and humanity yet. Uh, we've got a lot of ideas, but we just scratched the surface. So really, I see a world that's just got a tremendous amount of research and development taking place. And I see cannabis growing all over the place. Absolutely. That's my world. Man, let's and I all see, I see, sign I see police, up right now. I see law enforcement resources being diverted to real crimes, uh, real dangerous, violent criminals and property crimes, things like that. Um, just imagine how many more resources we could have, how much more police hours we could have de devoted to these important things if they were diverted from cannabis. What couldn't we change, you know? All of the populace uh, living on a safe therapeutic substance rather than chemically derived uh, side effect riddled goals and drugs that they use to get themselves through the days, uh, to put themselves to sleep at night. The world certainly would be a bit more iry, wouldn't it? I think it would be a bit more art, and I think it'd be more peaceful, and I think we're going to see this. I mean, we're, we're going to see this happen. Got Colorado and Washington and Oregon and Alaska have, have changed their laws. They've legalized what we have not seen is zombies walking the streets <laughs> and uh, cars going over cliffs and things like We just haven't seen it. We're not going to see it because prohibition has not stopped anybody from, that I know from smoking marijuana than taking place in the other room or in the house next door for the last 50 years. Man, you just blew me away with, with that wonderful discussion that you just started us off on. It really doesn't sound like a dream. It really just sounds like reality to me. You know, but even in a perfect world, there is some kind of role of government. And so in this perfect world, what role does the government play in the cannabis community? Well, Kyle, this blue state progressive starts to become pretty libertarian when it comes to the issue of cannabis. I actually support what many pot wonks D.C. and other places laughingly called the tomato plant model. There was another crazy extremist called Jack Hare that also supported the tomato plant model. If you want to grow some tomato plants right now, you go out in your garden and you plant some and you grow them. If you want to eat them, you do. And that's pretty much the way it is. And I think that if you want to grow some pot at your home, you should be able to grow it. You should be able to plant your plants, 
smoke it, eat it, or whatever, no problem. If you want to produce it commercially to sell to the public, then you're going to have to meet some stringent health and safety requirements, but they need to be reasonable and not punitive regulations meant to stifle and prevent the cannabis industry from thriving. Reasonable regulations that protect people from molds and pesticides and and things like that. Uh, Other than that, I think the government should pretty much get out of the way, treat it like tomatoes would be what I do. What what we've seen um, all over the world is something teetering between the plutonium model to the Oxycontin model to the alcohol model, depending on what state people live in. I think there's only a few municipalities, maybe in California and, and, and Colorado, kind of looking, you know, using the alcohol model, but just about everybody's either got the Oxycontin model, the plutonium model, and what we, they're both incorrect and overkill, what we need is the cannabis model, and I don't right. think it's been enacted yet. Right. The moder- we're, we're lacking moderation in this country for sure. Do you think that the notion of perfect, a perfect cannabis legalization policy is nothing but a pipe dream? Well, I think the notion of a perfect policy of any kind is a pipe dream because every policy affects different people in different ways. So I don't think there's any policy that everybody thinks is perfect from their perspective. However, what we could look for, I would hope, is a just, fair, reasonable policy that addresses the few legitimate concerns that exist for for cannabis. And I think there are some legitimate issues. Certainly, if you're an employer, depending on what you're employing people to do, you probably don't want people to be baked while they're working for you. You know, maybe if they're trimming pot or something, it might not be that big of a deal. But uh, but in, in a lot of jobs, people don't want the person work for them baked. Certainly, when you drive, you should not be impaired. And although alcohol is significantly causes more impairment than cannabis, you can be impaired on cannabis, and any impairment can kill somebody when you're driving. And of course, we need to have think a fair and and reasonable tax structure. Why shouldn't pot be taxed like everything else? Medical patients, uh, medicine might be a different story, but for the for you know retail consumers. Other than that, I think it's going to take a while. I think that, that this issue is so politicized. I mean, I not think of a more politicized issue than cannabis. I think it's going to be very difficult. And what we're seeing across America right now in the states that have legalized, you literally can go from county to county, from jurisdiction to jurisdiction and find things changing. And in some areas, they are creating punitive regulations, punitive laws, not intended to be just or reasonable, intended to thwart the cannabis community. And in other municipalities and other counties, they are looking at you know, reasonable and fair tax revenue structures so they can actually uh, take advantage of the changing laws and bring in some resources and divert those resources from the black market, And which is good because we do need to have this money staying in our communities, the normal monetary paths. But I think a perfect policy is going to be very, very hard, especially from a pot reformer's perspective. I think it's going to be a big challenge. Well, yeah, I certainly appreciate this wonderful illustration of Viv's world. It's, it's certainly put a big smile on my face. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to bring us back to reality a little bit, and we're going to discuss the impact of legalization probably will actually look like with Vivian McPeak. After we take a break for our sponsors, we'll be right back. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. 
Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to ensure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at CarterInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. And welcome back to The Grow Show. I am your host, Kyle Cushman. We are talking with Vivian McPeak, who happens to be the host of Hemp Present, debuting today on CannabisRadio.com. In our first segment, we had a little fun with stretching reality a little bit. And we were discussing what legalization would look like in Viv's world. And now, unfortunately, we're going to come back to reality and talk about the sobering reality of cannabis legalization. And in the real world, we're probably more likely to see a lot of government regulations, standardization and micrograms and dosage labeling. You know, we've gone centuries of recorded history that include cannabis use in nearly every civilization ever recorded. And not a lot of people have been hurt by it. So... Why will society insist on so many regulations? Is it simply because it is a medicine as well as something used for recreational activities? I think that you've got to look at, at the, the origins of cannabis prohibition. And, and you want to go back to the 1930s and Henry Anslinger and all those guys, and you'll see that there were a lot of industries that really profited from prohibition. All mm-hmm. of the artificial fiber industries like nylon, things like that, the paper industry for the DuPont Corporation, books. Exactly. That's right. DuPont, Hearst, all those guys, paint industry, the varnish industry, the oil industry, the, the energy industry. I mean, you name it, pharmaceutical industry, all profited so much. And then we can look and, and, and say, what was happening right then? Well, alcohol had been illegal. And there's a whole entire uh, government agencies have been created to police uh, alcohol prohibition and gee you know then we get cannabis prohibition right after that 
So we could just take those same agencies and just switch them over. So there was a lot of incentive to make marijuana illegal. There was a lot of racism used, using people of color in a variety of ways, you know, blaming uh, violence and, and sexual crimes on Mexican immigrants or on uh, blacks in, in black communities, things like that. So it was convenient politically and very convenient economically in a lot of ways, and also to kind of gain control over people. What do you see are the similarities or the hallmarks that, that signal the end of our prohibitionary era, era that are, you know, historical similarities with the end of alcohol prohibition in the 30s? Well, there's definitely, definitely some. Women played a huge role in prohibition actually happening and actually played a big role in prohibition coming down because I think they saw the counter effects of it. I think we've seen some very uh, stark similarities with urban gangs being able to make revenue off of prohibition. You know, it gives them incredible streams of revenue. But some of the similarities actually start to pale. I think the difference in alcohol prohibition and cannabis prohibition is that alcohol prohibition didn't last very long. If this was a non-domestic war, it'd be the longest war that we've ever been in. And so generations of people have grown up under cannabis prohibition. That really didn't happen with alcohol prohibition. Right. Um, it, was, it was kind of short-lived. Some people are, are just, they're alarmed to even see pot, you know, like, oh my God, does he actually have pot there? As prohibition conditionings come on in layers after layer after layer, and I think they're going to come off layer after layer, and that people are going to go, wow, does that, pie, that, does that guy actually have some pot? Oh my God, is that pot right there? Is that okay? Is it okay sure. to be in a room with some pot? And the next thing will be a lot with, oh, are they actually smoking? Is that a pot plant? You know, is that okay? And it'll be, oh, are they smoking pot over there? Is that cool? Am I all right being by somebody smoking pot? Right. It's going to take a while. I, I don't think this pot act will really get a lot of attention 20, 30, 40 years from now. It won't be a big issue anymore. But the reality will be that America will be a freer, more just, more sane, more rational place because of all the activism and all of the sacrifice that everybody's done. And so I think that pot prohibition has had longer of a time to negatively impact society than alcohol prohibition had. And I think, conversely, it's going to take a long time to completely turn it around. But man, are we making progress. I mean, it's shocking. It's stunning how quickly some things are happening. It's a really fun time, actually. Even though this is the world is, seems to be a very violent place at this point in time. It is a fun time to be alive as far as the advancement of tolerance. And it seems like our civilization may actually be made, taking a few steps forward in, in, in that regard of tolerance and understanding. How is it that, that you see the end of cannabis prohibition will affect the change in policy uh, regarding incarcerating people solely for illicit drug possession or use? In other words, are we going to start having more tolerance for the recreational drug user? I hope so, because what we've seen as we've seen this lock them all up, treat it like it's a criminal justice issue approach. And I'm not talking about just cannabis use. I'm talking about all illicit drugs, where on one hand, if you smoke cigarettes to the point of lung cancer and death, not an issue if you drink alcohol to the point where you're you know, pickled brain and you're throwing up out in public. That's not against the law, but just feeling good, being under the influence of them is a misdemeanor. This approach hasn't worked and it's completely backfired. I think uh, treating Americans like they're incapable of making important decisions, health-based decisions has not been effective. And I think treating 
drug use, all drug use, like a public health issue, maybe a significant public health issue, depending on the substance. I think that's a proven way that's shown that's been much more effective. And using a harm reduction approach, taking an attitude of, well, people are going to use, some people are going to use these substances, period. How do we reduce the harm on themselves and on society? I think that's just shown to be a much more effective long-term approach. It's been shown to be a much better investment of both time, resources, and human hours. And so I really predict that in the future we will move over to a harm reduction approach. Tolerance and compassion, right? I mean, exactly, Kyle. And what we've seen with alcohol, at least in some cities, is they've taken these chronic homeless alcoholics and they've had huge emergency room bills, huge medical bills, and they said, you know, we're just going to give the guy a place to live. We're going to give him a, a minimal place to live. Here you are. Here's your home. You can drink your alcohol there. I'm going to give you some access to medical services. And what they found is that it's actually the cost has been reduced down to up to 25% of the cost of just keeping them in the cycle of incarceration and hospitalization. And I think that, that we're already seeing a change with cannabis that, wow, all these resources that we've been using to lock people up and to track people down and stuff, those are available in some of the tax resources that are coming in from cannabis sales are now going towards education, other you know, homeless shelters, things like that, prevention. You know, I think a big part of, of cannabis legalization is abuse uh, prevention. Let's face right. it, you know, anybody can abuse anything. You can abuse television, you can abuse uh, sh- sugar, you can eat too many french fries. Sure. And personally, I think, I think french fries are more dangerous than cannabis. <laughs> but, uh, and I think that the biggest problem we've had has been the, hypo- or the hypocrisy, I'll call it, the hypocrisy of pretty much looking the other way for the state-sanctioned substances and then having this scorched-earth punitive approach where you basically take people with a victimless crime and you treat them like they're dangerous, violent criminals. It's, just, it's insane. It's just crazy. And, and once again, we've got to just kind of hard to sometimes remind people here in Seattle, look, this is still going on all over the country. Somebody, while we had this conversation, Kyle, while we've been doing this interview, somebody has had their life changed. Somebody's had those lights behind their car or right. their doors busted open, and now everything's right. going to change for them because they're still in a state that has the plutonium model. That That's says, the worst. Oh, my God, they've got a half, a half ounce of marijuana. We hold on high a lot of the most famous people in our, in, a, in our civilization, people who are artists and architects and musicians that all used mind-altering substances, but they didn't have to go to jail, and they were allowed to expand their minds somewhat and find a place where they found this wonderful skill that they had that they could share with the world. And uh, maybe a few generations after we stop incarcerating all these people, we'll find that, that there's a lot more visionaries out there and that we can a lot more to save the human race and to save, save the earth. You know, it's been great talking to you. You've been definitely instrumental in making change happen in your part of the world, and I'm sure that that, that has reverberated around the globe. I have no doubt. I thank you for being one of my compadres. So we're going to take our last break right now for our sponsors, and we'll be right back to talk about Great Grows. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. 
Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back with The Grow Show. I'm your host, Kyle Cushman, talking with Vivian McPeak, host of Hemp Present on CannabisRadio.com. want to talk about should you grow hydro or should you grow with soil? Now, I know my opinion on the subject, and many of you out there may know that I don't really feel like I'm farming unless I'm growing in the soil, you know, unless I get my hands dirty and I get the, that nice, fresh, sweet smell. I just like to say, when has a tomato ever tasted the same from the ground as it does out of a hothouse? It just doesn't. Am I right, Viv? Oh, well, Carl, I'd have to revert to that old butter commercial that says it's not nice to fool Mother Nature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so if you have a choice, you should always grow in soil. You know, it's really a lot simpler plant really does all the work and if you just give it a healthy soil and some water and a little bit of food really the plant will pretty much do everything for you Uh, if you decide to go hydro you're going to need ph meters and you're going to need water pumps and you're going to need irrigation and you're going to need man-made media and all kinds of different things and don't want to take anything away from anybody everybody has uh personal style and hydro certainly has its benefits once you get it up and going it's a little bit maintenance free some people like to grow hydro and visit their garden once every two or three days when it's time to change out their water reservoir but me i like uh, a bucket of soil you know i've been growing over 25 years now grown with just about every method there is from deep well technique to hydroponic to aeroponic and about six or more years ago, I ended up right back in buckets of soil. It's the easiest. It's the most forgiving. And I feel you actually learn the most about the plant. What about you, Viv? Well, you spend a lot more time growing herb than I have. I've, I've grown some herb. I just think that people need to be able to, the, the right to grow herb, uh, do the experimentation they need to find out what's right for them. And I wish that we had that right here in Washington State. Right. Yeah, there are as many. We are coming around. That's why you and I are here, it seems like, on this earth is is to help bring this about. And I feel very proud to be a part of it. And that's why I've 
pretty much devoted my life to helping people learn to cultivate their own personal, legal Prop 215 gardens in the case here in California. And so recommending soil just seems like a natural thing to me. You can use whatever type of organic or veganic nutrition that you see. But growing in soil just seems a, a, a natural thing. You can do it in your backyard. You can do it on your veranda. You can do it on the porch. You don't really need a special place to do it. You can even do it in your closet or in your bedroom. Growing hydro is a little bit more of a scientific experiment, if you would. It's a wonderful method developed by an Israeli in the desert so that they could grow vegetables where you could not grow in soil. It was not invented to replace soil or even to outdo soil. It was just invented as an option so that people could grow vegetables in the desert. But like I said, if you're going to grow hydro, you're going to need some scientific equipment. You have to monitor the pH of your water consistently. You have to check the pH of your soil consistency. So I would have to say for beginners, the best way to go is definitely get yourself some professional grow medium and get yourself some good genetics in the form of either seeds or clones and either natural light or a artificial light and start yourself up a garden and grow your own medicine, and grow your own food, and become self-sufficient, and help lessen our impact, our carbon footprint on the earth. Let's make this a better place to live. So with that... I'm all for that, bro. Yeah. uh, Hey, amen, brother. We are about out of time. I want to thank our guest, Vivian McPeak, and urge everyone to listen to his podcast, Hemp Present, on CannabisRadio.com. I want to thank the producers for making this show possible. And make sure to check out my website, KyleCushman.com, where you can find where to follow me on social media and upcoming events I'll be at. You can also find new episodes of The Grow Show by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and on iHeartRadio. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Kyle Cushman, and as always, stay lifted. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.